You're locked on the Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, if you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, and the Odyssey app. Doing so does not cost you a single cent and ensures you never miss another episode. Tonight's show is brought to you by Spotify Greenroom. Download the Spotify Greenroom app and find one of our Locked On Rooms. On tonight's show, I thought I would talk about a couple of different things. The first one is maybe giving some thoughts on how to prepare for the Seattle expansion draft, which is just a couple of weeks away. You know, what might Winnipeg stand to lose, and is this an opportunity for the Jets to kind of reevaluate where they are, especially as they start making some roster selections and figuring out who should be here long term? Is there time for the Jets to make a reset? Following that, I also planned on giving a brief update on the Euro 2020 competition before closing out with some early thoughts on game number five between Montreal and Tampa Bay. Getting us underway, though, let's talk about the Seattle expansion draft, which currently looks like it's it's going to be not too bad for the Jets, I would say. I think Winnipeg is primed for at least losing like a middle six forward, but not too much else. Right now, it kind of seems like one of Cop, Appleton, or Dominic Toninato is going to be claimed by the Seattle uh, Kraken, so I feel like the Jets are going to be okay Where I'm kind of concerned is that Winnipeg's forward unit isn't that great right now, in my opinion. I think what kind of gets missed with this team, and this was something that Micah Blake McCurdy, who does a lot of uh, statistical analysis and certainly data visualization on Twitter, he was showing that Winnipeg's team defense actually isn't as bad as people imagine it to be. And I think his point was that the forwards are maybe partially to blame for the fact that the team struggles to create a lot of offense. You know, everyone sort of looks at the blue line and says, well, that's your biggest problem. And I think in Winnipeg's case, that's not entirely wrong, but it sort of overlooks the fact that in a lot of ways, the Jets have a number of different parts of the team that don't really work well together. This often harkens back to the Pittsburgh Penguins and how they've been able to win multiple Stanley Cups with a ragtag blue line that frankly doesn't look all that much better from what most average-ish NHL teams are working with on the back end. You know, Chris Letang is certainly a great defender, but the rest of the guys, eh, it's debatable with some of the players that they've had on their roster over the years. I mean, let's be honest, Justin Schultz is probably not somebody that most teams are going to be dying to have. And given that the Jets have kind of struggled with this over the past couple of years, I think the biggest question is, if they lose like an Andrew Kopp or something, what sort of cascading impact might that have on the rest of the team? In my mind, I think Winnipeg's biggest problem right now is that transition is definitely a skill that's very limited in terms of both the defense and the forwards. Players like Kopp and Appleton can help with that, but I think a lot of their responsibilities tend to be more on the defensive side of things. And so I look at this team and I kind of wonder, all right, so you lose a middle six forward like that. Who do you plug in their place to bring more speed and more skill? I think a lot of folks are wondering if the team is going to be a lot younger next season, but I don't really see Paul Maurice going into this upcoming year and thinking that bringing in more rookies is what he wants to do. He's never really shown a penchant for this in the past. I mean, all you have to do is just look at how long it took Vili Heinola to play even a handful of NHL games at this level, and you kind of get the sense that, yeah, the Jets are not going to be giving many rookies a run out. If that's the case, then Winnipeg needs to start fortifying the forward unit. I would start by looking at trying to bring back Paul Stastny and Matthew Perot on very value contracts. 
With the free agent market being a bit depressed this year, I can imagine that both of these guys would sign short-term deals and probably at very reasonable cap hits. I'd be looking at like one to two seasons at most for each player. On the one hand, I do know that this sort of blocks roster spots for younger prospects like David Gustafson and Christian Veselainen and the like, but I think, you know, I think we kind of have to accept to some degree that Paul Maurice is always going to favor the vets. That's just how he is. And in fairness to Maurice, there absolutely is something to be said about not throwing a bunch of rookies into an NHL roster, but I think the biggest issue for the Jets is that the guys that they substitute in those places tend to not be very good NHLers. You know, the Matt Hendricks and the Nate Thompsons of the world are eating up roster space and minutes for players who could probably do a better job in that same amount of time and give the Jets more offensive flexibility. That's something that Winnipeg does not have right now because you tend to find a lot of the same guys are essentially leading the way for Winnipeg's offense, and I think that that's a super big issue. A couple of years ago, the Jets had like a really diverse roster of goal scorers, and now the Jets basically have like a handful of guys who do everything, and the rest of the team just sort of tags along. That lack of offensive variety for me is definitely a big issue, and it's taxing the blue line too because the guys that are trying to carry everything yeah, they can excel at uh, you know offensive scoring, transition, all that stuff. But then the rest of the team that's supposed to support them, it's it's not a really great supporting cast, is it? And I think the one thing that has frustrated me over the years is that the Jets haven't really done much to replace any of the skill sets that they lose with some of these really talented players. You know, once Patrick Laine was gone, obviously Laine was a big weapon, but. You know, I don't expect the Jets to really fill that void necessarily, and I think Pierre-Luc Dubois will step in, but Dubois is probably not on the same level of finisher that Line is. I think that that's very obvious. I, I do think PLD will probably be the more well-rounded player, especially at both ends of the ice, but Line also had a really innate ability to score goals, and the Jets are really lacking that right now. And so I don't expect, you know, Seattle's expansion is is not going to tax Winnipeg in the goal-scoring area, but I could see a guy like Cop or Appleton or some of these other really decent complementary players maybe putting a dent in Winnipeg's ability to do stuff. These are guys that the Jets turn to for just about every situation, and so I kind of wonder what Winnipeg's free agency plan is because there will be a decent selection of guys to choose from, and I don't want the Jets filling up the roster with a lot of free agents because I don't think it's going to be that kind of offseason where the Jets are going to find a lot of value there, but there are a couple of guys that the Jets could consider bringing in to A, support the youth and also promote offense. I think this team has a lot of stagnant pieces that don't really do enough at all zones on the ice, and so the Jets are very much a little bit one-dimensional, and I feel like the Jets could do a couple of different things to get the team back on track. I know it's a lot to ask for this roster, and I think, you know, management's probably not going to do anything crazy in the offseason, but Winnipeg is going to have to find offensive sources that aren't Mark Shifley, Kyle Connor, and Nikolai Ehlers. This team is very heavily reliant on all of those players being basically at their best the entire season, and it's just not enough. I hope Cole Perfetti is ready because he's basically going to have to step into a middle six to top six offensive role almost immediately. You can tell that the Jets are really lacking a lot of upfront scoring without guys like, uh, you know, Patrick Laine and PLD at their best, so I'm hoping that this expansion draft in the following weeks give Winnipeg some really good insight into how to start to assemble this roster into something that's more of a contender because next year when the Central Division is back, the Jets are going to be running up against Colorado again, so I'm not really looking forward to that. I, I know Winnipeg doesn't really stand a chance against that team under most conditions, but maybe at least Winnipeg can make things entertaining. Let me know what you would do this offseason at HLVingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets, and maybe I'll talk about some of your offseason suggestions in a future episode. For now, though, I did want to pivot our conversation to the Euro 2020 competition, which is currently underway. We have now seen the result from today's semifinals match, and we'll discuss that in just a moment. Before we move on, though, I did want to shout out tonight's title sponsors at Spotify Greenroom. 
Greenroom is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with fans, athletes, insiders, journalists, and everyone in between in real time about your favorite team or sport. Greenroom is the perfect place to start or join conversations about the league. You'll find fans just like you on Greenroom for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and of course, all the big news, rumors, and hot takes you can handle. You can even find Locked On hosts from across our entire network of podcasts, including the NBA, MLB, and NHL, all hosting Green Rooms. I'll be joining the app shortly, so be sure to get started, and I'll meet you there. Go download the free Green Room app right now, currently available on all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the NHL group for the latest league updates. I know you'll find a ton of incredible rooms around your favorite teams and leagues. I can't wait to join you all on the app very soon, and I'll be sure to let you know once the Locked On Winnipeg Jets room is live. Download the Green Room app today. Green Room, changing the way we talk sports. For those of you who are longtime listeners of this podcast, by now you know that I'm personally a huge fan of Bilt Bars. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, Bilt Bars are the best tasting protein bars on the market. They're so darn good because they're more like a candy bar with a 100% chocolate exterior and a soft chewy interior. They come in a great selection of flavors like coconut, cherry barcia, mint brownie, cookies and cream, and many more. But always stay tuned to BuiltBar.com and all of their social media channels because Built often drops very special, limited edition, limited quantity flavors that you never want to miss. Available this week only from July 6th through July 9th, you can get a brand new Built Bar flavor, Grasshopper Cookie, and once they're gone, they're gone for good. It tastes just like the real thing without any of the guilt. As great as Built Bars taste, they're even better for you, with most bars clocking in at around 130 to 180 calories, 4 to 5 grams of net carbs, and 70 to 18 grams of protein. They're perfect for every lifestyle and need, whether you're looking to maintain or lose weight. To place your order, go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, that is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Place your order today. Hello friends and welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are now briefly re, uh, recapping some Euro 2020 coverage. We've talked about this competition throughout the last couple of weeks. You know, alongside the Stanley Cup Finals and playoffs, the Euro 2020 has probably been one of the biggest competitions in the world, certainly one that everyone is paying attention to. Obviously in North America, you know, football has become more popular and I feel like this tournament has done a lot to put uh, even more eyeballs on it since, of course, we're all still inside. And in North America, the matches occur during the daytime rather than the evening when the the cup finals and stuff are on, so we have time to actually watch it. Today's match was a big one, though, and it was between England and uh, Denmark. So, of course, I think a lot of folks were rooting for Denmark because they're the underdogs, and a lot of people were kind of hoping that Denmark would advance in honor of Christian Eriksen, who, of course, had the incident with a cardiac arrest. This match was basically a ball of nervous energy for the entire 90 minutes plus extra time. You could really feel like both teams were extremely cautious and, and... Frankly, on edge, I felt like England actually made a number of mental errors that are sort of uncharacteristic of the team. I know in the past, England has had issues with composure and mentality, especially under pressure, but this was a little bit different. This tournament, they've been really efficient. They've been defensively sound. Generally speaking, you don't see many mistakes from them. Today, though, against the Danes, there were a number of small turnovers and different little mental errors from players like Jordan Pickford and some of the defenders and stuff that are maybe a little bit uncharacteristic of the team. And to some degree, you could just kind of tell the pressure was really eating away at England a little bit. I mean, this is the first time that they've had a chance to go to a final since, what, 1966? It's a huge deal for England. It's a big deal for the fan base. And a lot of the players are on the younger side. They feel a very big responsibility to succeed. And I'm sure that it felt like the weight of the world was on their shoulders. On the Danish side, I think everyone was just sort of amazed that they made it this far and that they've had such a good tournament run. They've played great football. They've surprised a lot of people. And against England, I felt like they they tried very hard. They pushed it as far as they could. 
and they just sort of ran out of steam. Denmark basically laid everything out on the field, and I don't think that they can have any regrets for what they did. They tried their hardest. Unfortunately, you know, England's just a much deeper team at almost every level, and the Danes, for as long as they could defend and really get some great saves from Kasper Schmeichel, they just could not survive the, the English press forever. The game, I'm sure, will live on at least in a little bit of infamy because of the penalty call against Denmark that basically sealed the win for England. Both teams were in a 1-1 dead heat heading into extra time, but you could tell that England was basically dominating possession and getting all of the looks. Denmark was really not out of its own third for almost the entire extra time period, especially the second half of extra time, and it just felt like it was inevitable that at some point England would find a way through. The penalty call to seal the win was a little bit sketchy, but I, I don't think that the scoreline itself was all that unfair. England was very much the better team for much of the game, and barring a few Danish counterattacks and stuff, it just felt like England was thoroughly in control, and the result is fair. This all sets up a very big matchup on the upcoming weekend between England and Italy for the title. It'll be on Sunday at 3 p.m. Eastern. This is a mega match of, of epic proportions. I think everyone's going to be tuned into it. You know, both teams have a lot of expectations. Italy has been the best all-around team in the tournament thus far. England has the weight of so much failed history and struggles riding on all of the players' shoulders. Continual disappointment after disappointment and bitter irony and certainly bitter feelings uh, of an English defeat time and time again is now kind of coming to a head here with a team that has a chance to win a title. I think I have Italy advancing through 2-1 to the title. Um, I just feel like Italy is, is such a deep team. They're defensively resolute. Both teams have played a decent amount of extra time over the past couple of days, but I, I think it's going to be a pretty even match. It just feels like of the teams that can, you know, essentially break through the, the British defense, it feels like Italy is most poised to do that because Italy can kind of counter very aggressively and then track back defensively in pretty good shape. So I don't imagine that they'll have too many issues with England's press encounters. I feel like, though, it could go either way. It's going to be a coin flip match. Despite me calling it for Italy 2-1, it's going to be, in my opinion, a coin flip. I don't think that you could really call the match either way. Italy showed some vulnerabilities against Spain, so it's not like they're infallible either. Both of these teams are going to have obvious chances and looks, and I feel like, you know, England has been a little bit underrated so far. They've played a very, I would say, defensive and pragmatic style, but they've shown that at times they have an extremely lethal counter, and of course, the Italians really can't rest at all, especially once guys like Sterling and Kane get really aggressive. I'd love to know who your scoring predictions are, so be sure to let me know at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Let me know who you're backing. I don't really know if I have a personal dog in this fight, but I guess England, for me, would probably be, uh, I don't know, the more preferable choice, mostly because Dortmund has a couple of players there, but I don't really have an opinion either way. For now, though, that is going to do it for our Euro 2020 coverage until their next game. It is now time to turn our attention to the Stanley Cup Finals and some of the early action from game number five between Tampa Bay and Montreal. Before talking about the opening 20 minutes, I did want to tell you about why BetOnline.ag should be the only place to do your online betting. When it comes to the wild, wild west of online betting, you need to know that there's a safe, reliable name that you can trust every single time. That's why you should look no further than BetOnline. They're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Baseball, hockey, and basketball season are all in full swing, and you can track all the latest action at BetOnline. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including the MLB, NBA, NHL, UFC, MMA, international football, and every sport in between. No matter what you're into, BetOnline has your back. Before the next pitch or face-off, head on over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up for bonuses, and enter all the contests your heart desires. Stop sitting on the sidelines and follow along as your favorite teams begin their quests for playoff glory. Win as they win. 
Register for a free account at betonline.ag, and when you do, be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON to receive a matched 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Sign up today and start winning. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are closing out tonight's episode with some early thoughts between Montreal and Tampa Bay in game number five. This is, of course, an elimination game for the Montreal Canadiens. They are very much trying to stay alive in this series. They clawed one game back in their previous outing in Game 4, but now it is in Tampa Bay, and you would expect to some degree that Tampa Bay probably closes the series out. If you're a Habs fan who was hoping for a better showing than you got in Game 4, at least at the start of the game, unfortunately Montreal seemed to replicate its performance, especially in the opening 20 minutes. The Habs were just a bit outclassed and they were really struggling to cope with Tampa's pressure. It just seemed like Carey Price had to make some really great saves, while Montreal kind of, I don't know, sort of collapsed. I get that Tampa Bay is obviously a very good team, but some of the mistakes that were happening on things like the power play are just inexcusable. I felt like Montreal's power play, in which they got a couple of attempts early, was just, uh, it was horrendous. It was one of the worst power plays I've ever seen. Obviously, the pressure right now is very high and Montreal may be feeling at least a little bit of fatigue, but... Man, some of the mistakes that they were making on the power play, you just cannot allow to happen. I think Tampa had more opportunities shorthanded than Montreal did with the extra man on the power play, which is really bad. Thankfully for the Habs, Carey Price was in incredible form tonight. He was making astounding save after astounding save. I felt like Montreal had a fighting chance in this game. Unfortunately, though, you know, towards the end of the second period, Montreal's defense had a bit of an issue with, uh, you know, David Savard coming out on the right flank. I think Ben Sherratt was trying to cover the slot or something, not really sure. He didn't have an assignment that he was man-marking, so he tried to cut off the pass. Savard basically just threaded it anyways, and Joel Edmondson was supposed to be covering Ross Colton on the left side. Unfortunately for Edmondson, Colton got the inside step and basically just sort of outmuscled him anyways and tapped home the feed for the one nothing lead in Tampa Bay's favor. I really don't think the Habs could argue with this scoreline. You know, Montreal, I think they understood that this game was always going to be a bit of an uphill struggle. I think they were very fortunate that they were only down one goal. They needed a major bounce-back performance from Carey Price, and they, they more or less got it. I think Price had basically everything that you could possibly ask for from a, a top-end goalie. And while his performance during this series has been a bit on the rougher side, you know, it is what it is. I think Montreal is one of those teams that it was always going to be difficult for them to sort of piece apart this Tampa Bay defense and get by Andre Vasilevsky, but it was going to be even more difficult for their blue line to handle Tampa Bay's offense and cross-crease passing. The third period is still underway, so I won't uh, spoil whatever happens at the end of this game, but I will say that Price has had to make some outstanding saves so far. He's been one of the big reasons that the scoreline is still just one nothing right now, and it's kind of amazing to see him make some of these crazy saves. Like, there was a, a fabulous Nikita Kucherov pass. I forget who it found. It might have been Palat. But Price was actually being interfered with by his own defender, and somehow Price still managed to extend his pad just enough to block the shot and keep it at one nothing. An incredible save. Short of scoring a goal himself, I don't think he could ask for much more from Price. He was, again, just incredible tonight. He's been doing as much as he can to keep Montreal in this game. The Habs still have a shout, but it's a it's an uphill battle, and I think that they they probably are out of this one unless they find a miraculous goal. But if this scoreline holds, it is a fair reflection, and I feel like you know Tampa Bay does deserve the cup. We'll have some thoughts on this game, however it resolves, on tomorrow's episode, and if the series ends... We'll talk about some overall takeaways and what it might mean for teams going forward. That will do it for tonight's episode, though. Before you log off, don't forget to check out one of our other great podcasts so you can get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Burkowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app 
or wherever you get your favorite media. And as always, thanks for listening. Have a great night, and go Jets go.